You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I remember the Beatles wrote a song which just had this refrain, all you need is love. When I used to serve in the Army, uh, one of the things they trained us when we were do operations orders, in other words, when you give instructions for how you're supposed to conduct a mission, one of the principles they taught us was KISS. Anyone ever heard of that principle, KISS? Keep it simple, silly. Exactly. So here's the whole point. This sounds like a pretty simple question, right? That's what this lawyer is doing, this expert of the law, this Pharisee is coming to Jesus. But if you remember last week, Jesus had a gotcha question from the Pharisees and the Herodians. And then seeing that they couldn't catch Jesus in that gotcha question, they launch another gotcha question. This actually is another kind of gotcha question. Oh, it's simple, right? Following the Torah is simple. Can you keep it simple for us simple folk? And the whole point of it is they wanted to trick Jesus. Why? Well, because here's the thing. Um, if you look at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there are 613 thou shalts or thou shalt nots. In fact, you go to any devout Jew nowadays and you say the number 613, they will know exactly what that number means. That's the number of commands that God gave to the people of Israel in the Torah. So you can totally see why it's a genuine question. I mean, seriously, we, some people just want to know, what do you think about this, Jesus? It's not a trick question at all. They, they say there's 613, but you know, for us simple folk, could you simplify it for us? The whole point is they know this is a trick question. It's like going to an Eastern Orthodox priest, a Roman Catholic priest, and then a Protestant priest or pastor and saying, what happens at that table? For us simple folk, can you tell me what happens there? I mean, I'm just, I'm just ignorant. I have no idea. Not trying to cause any trouble. And you know that there's going to be a couple of different answers. So it's the same thing that he's doing here. This expert of the law is playing it coy, but actually he, he wants it nailed down. Why? Because if you for, fast forward a few more books in the Bible, you get, to, for example, Psalm 15, right? And even, even the Babylonian Talmud teaches that, that there's a condensation from 613 to 11 to 6 to 3 to just 2. But there's 11 commandments in Psalm 15. And the, the Talmud says that David gave us 11. So they're trying to distill it down. Keep it simple for us, can you? And there's a big debate about it. Because no matter how Jesus answers, he's going to take it on the neck. He's going to anger someone in the whole Jewish community for interpreting the, the law wrong. Or maybe it's going to be like Isaiah chapter 33. It'll be six commandments. Or maybe it's, it's Micah, right? He's shown you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require you? That you walk humbly, that you love justice, and you live before the Lord your God, right? Chapter 3, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's actually what the Babylonian Talmud says. There's only one, right? Habakkuk. Or maybe it's even what it says there. It's Leviticus 19, like we just read. There's one commandment. If you, can, if you can nail this commandment, you've got it, right? Be holy, for I am holy. That was seen as one of the, one of the greatest commandments. So he, they know that they're going to get Jesus, no matter what he answers. Or in Habakkuk 1, right? What does that say? The just shall live by faith. 
These were all known in those 500 years post-destruction of the first temple and Jesus' time. It's a big debate. The whole point is a gotcha question. But Jesus gives us an amazing answer. He says, I'm going to keep it simple for you. Love God, love people. And so what do we get from this passage? Love God, love people, and how do we get the power for that? So love God, love people, how do we get the power? So love God. If anyone's ever read the book by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages, um, it's, it's a real good read. Um, it might tell you a little bit about how your friendships work, about how people in interactions uh, perceive care or love. And so Gary Chapman, who wrote this in the early 90s, says most people have five, there's, there's five love, love languages, and there's a primary way in which you like to give this or express this kind of care or love, and then there's a way in which you like to receive it, and they're not necessarily the same, right? So, for example, um, of the five, and I'll give you some, I'll, I'll give them to you, and then we'll look at how this applies to these five love languages toward God and towards our neighbor. One, one of the love languages is words of affirmation. That's compliments, saying things, breaking the sound barrier. The second is quality time, spending quality time with someone. The, th the third one is gifts. Some people have the love language of giving gifts. Others have the love language of receiving gifts. The fourth is acts of service, doing things for people. And then the fifth one is physical touch or physicality. There's an embodiment to this. So what do I mean by words of affirmation? So I remember when, when my wife and I were doing pre-marriage stuff over in England, because here's the thing. I want you to think of the first time you kind of fell in love or the first time that you got heads over heel with someone. I remember in 2003, I, was, I went to our 1030 service there at St. Aldate's, and then they had a, a luncheon afterwards for newcomers and for uh, students and postgrads. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be a postgrad soon. I'd like to go there. And I ran into this amazing American girl who was doing study abroad from Stetson at New College in Oxford. And it was so cool. I mean, she was amazing. Um, and we met, we chatted. It was so cool. Um, and then six months later, I ran to her again. She didn't remember meeting me. <laughs> yeah. But think about it. How did you fall in love? It, that's one of the reasons why this Wednesday we're doing We Love St. Peter's. I want you to remember, when did you first fall in love with this church? When did you fall in love with the people of this church? When did you fall in love with the God that this church worships? That's what we're trying to remind ourselves of at 5.30 on Wednesday, okay? But words of affirmation, I, my love language, I like to receive words of affirmation. You know, you know six and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not how it works with me. My wife knows that I like to receive those. She could care two hills of beans about words of affirmation. She doesn't like to receive those. You know what her thing is? Acts of service. You want to do something nice? If I want to do something nice for my wife, what do I do? I pull out the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> or, or, well, it is an act of service, but actually it's kind of selfish too. I fold laundry. You know why it's selfish? I'll, I'll, here's my dark confession, right? So priests need to do confession too. Um, the reason I fold laundry isn't because my wife loves it. It's because after four years at West Point, I can't stand to see someone fold laundry improperly. <laughs> it's selfish. It's totally selfish. It's got to be folded in thirds. 
and nicely. And the ironing has to be done precisely. Don't ask my wife to iron for you. I love you, but not. I'll iron. That's why she asked me to iron. Um, but acts of service, right? But the, the other one is quality time. That's another way in which we can love God, right? God wants us to love him with words of affirmation, to break the sound barrier, which is what we're doing when we talk here at church, when we talk outside. We're breaking the sound barrier. The second thing that we do is we spend quality time. Now, have you ever been on Canal Street or Flagler or any other main street in the U.S.? And you see, It's not you. You've never done this, clearly. But you've seen other people do it. They're walking down, like three or four people in one family, and they're all on their smart device. They're together. They're spending time together as a family. But is it quality time? Are you distracted? Quality time can even be spending time with someone, but not even saying a word, just being present. If you took the number of hours there are in a week, there's 168 hours in a week. If the only time you ever spent with your pseudo-significant other was one hour on one weekday, how would they feel? Would they feel loved? Would they feel like they got quality time with you? How much of a marriage would that feel like to you or a friendship to you? Um, so think about that. On Sundays, you spend one day, but you got 167 other hours that week. Why not make that one hour quality time? Or even say, you know what, I'll give you 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there through my week. Turn it into quality time with God. And the, the third thing is gifts. The third love language. Um, now, there's gifts are not my love language. Well, they are, but they aren't my love language. They're the way I love to express it, but I really don't receive love by receiving gifts. For me, it's like, pff, I don't care. But I love to conspire. If I hear there's something you really love and like, I'm going to go out of my way to get it for you. In fact, I had someone from last, the last service say, I really love that confession you used last week. It's not in our prayer book. I was like, no, it's in the British Common Worship book. And, yo, you like that? So right then and there, the, right before the 8.30 service started, I purchased it on Amazon. I'm like, it's going to be here in three days. I want to give it to you. It's just when you love someone, you want to give them gifts, if that's your love language. Similarly, God has given us so much. We live in, in a place where we actually suffer from affluenza. We're very affluent. What are we doing with the gifts that God has given us? And Jesus said, wherever your treasure, wherever your treasure is, there also is your heart. If you value something, you're going to also value. You want, you want to see what my house's priorities are? Just ask to see my budget. What am I spending my money on? What is my, where does my disposable income go? Like, why do we have a, a large portion of our budget going to outreach? Wherever your treasure is, there's your heart. And if your treasure is God, and it's his world that he's made, and the people that he created his image, you're going to put money where your mouth is. You're going to give money to Colors of Hunger. You're going to give money to God's bathhouse. You're going to give money to the Episcopal Diocese of Honduras. That's the stuff that we do. It's just because it's the overflow. So similarly, if you love God, you're going to want to give back to God what was already his to begin with. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But your treasure shows where your heart is. So gifts, that's another way in which we love God. The other one's acts of service. The number of hours that it takes to make this church run and, and smooth and, and operate smoothly with the flower guild, the altar guild, the 
the, the live stream folks that help our shut-ins, the lay Eucharistic visitors that go and bring communions to, to the shut-ins, the, the distributing of the bulletins, welcoming people as an usher. There's a variety of ways in which you can volunteer here at this church. And, and you know what? Maybe God hasn't blessed you financially, but he's blessed you with time, talents, and treasure. Donating a little bit of your time to help, this, help God's church grow is, is another way in which you can express your love for him. And lastly, there's a physicality to us, physical touch, right? But in terms of loving God, there's a physicality to it. What I love about our tradition is we're embodied. We, we have bread and wine every week. We, we have water whereby we talk about God's forgiveness and washing and cleansing and forgiving us. We're embodied beings. You are a human being, not a human doing. And so what I love in, at this point, some, some pastors would go out to me like, that's why you need to come to church every Sunday. You know why it doesn't work? Because if I say that now, it doesn't matter. You're already here. That word should be for the people that aren't here anyway. You know what I'm saying? But there's a physicality to it. And think about it during what, what's called COVID tide, right? So there was Easter tide, Pentecost tide, and COVID tide. We discovered how much physicality was important how much we missed fellowship with one another. You couldn't receive bread and wine through a TV screen. You couldn't pass the peace. We, we missed physical touch. There's a way of, of worshiping God with our bodies. That's why one of our offertory says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Like, yeah, God doesn't just want your heart or your soul. He also wants your body. He wants you because he wants all of you, all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. So that's how you love God. But how does that work in the way that we love one another? Well, how do we go about offering words of affirmation, right? Do we go about and gossip? Do we go about and criticize? Or do we go about and share words of affirmation and love? Two, do we spend quality time with other human beings? Or are we so driven from point A to point B that if someone becomes a distraction, quote unquote, oh, sorry, I don't have time for you. Can I pencil you my schedule way later? Do you know that most of Jesus' ministry was done on the side? He was going from point A to point B, and someone would come and say, could you come please heal me? Could you heal my daughter? And what did Jesus say? Sorry, can I put you in my Outlook calendar for tomorrow? He didn't do that. Quality time. So do we have quality time for one another? Do we have gifts for one another? And I love that because Ephesians 4.16 says that the body joined together by every ligament and sinew builds the body. The body builds the body. You have gifts that other people in this body don't have. And even that, I was at a pastor's luncheon this last um, this last Thursday, with other pastors from the local New Smyrna area. And even then, like, we sometimes think of it just as our local church, but even our church has unique redemptive gifts that other churches don't have. They might be really good at certain things, but they might be really, really rubbish at other things that we're really good at. And we need each other. The church needs the church. We, you need gifts that someone else next to you has, and they need gifts that only you can offer. And the last thing, there's a physicality to it. Just encouraging someone, just passing something as simple as the peace, 
telling someone that you love them, that you miss them, that you haven't seen them in a while. Just the physicality saying, you know what, there was someone who used to worship here six months ago, a year ago, but I haven't seen them in a while. Hey, I know you still live here in New Smyrna. Why don't you come on back? There's something about us getting together. That's what it says there in Hebrews, right? Do not neglect the gathering together as some have done. And just tell people, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. I miss you. That's how we express love for God and love for our neighbor. And look, I, I know that sometimes when you do those religious surveys, right, people say like, you know, I'm spiritual but not religious, right? Or I'm spiritual, I, I'm a Christian, but I just don't go to church. Which is fair, right? But Jesus, right? Probably best rabbi of all time, right? I, I'd say that facetiously. Like the, the son of God, right? Keep it simple, right? Couldn't he just distill it down to one commandment? But he said he couldn't. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbors yourself. Why? Because he, he knows that if you say you love God, it's impossible to not love your neighbor. In fact, it's going to be the overflow of that. It's going to be the overflow of if you love God, you're going to love your neighbor. If you don't love God, you're not going to love your neighbor. And I, I love there's this, this little thing called the Jesus Storybook Bible that my, my daughter Zippy's now in the reading. And there's this one point where the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they're judging people, right? And Jesus says this phrase in it. Um, and Silo Jones puts it wonderfully in that book. She says, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you look down on people because you don't look up to God. Think about that. If you love God, you love your neighbor. If you look up to God, you're not going to look down on people. That's the crux of it. So, so okay, love God, love people, but Man, I know that I can't do that. I don't, I'm not looking up to God because that's why I know it doesn't work out in the, way that I, in the way that I love everybody else. So how do we get this power? In 1998, uh, we had this thing called Ring Weekend at West Point. So all of us seniors got a ring. Um, everyone had to get a ring no matter what. Even if you didn't want one, you had to order just the baseline one. But my best friend and I, um, we both went to the infantry. He, he then went into special forces. But we engraved inside our ring, John 15, 13. And what does that say? Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friend. Think about that. That's the kind of love that melts you, that transforms you, that gives you the power to love others. You know, we, we say God is love. There's that whole hymn that we, we sing, or there's Ubi Caritas, which is sung in, in many uh, traditions. Wherever love is, there God is. Ubi Caritas, Deus est. Wherever love is, there God is. But, but that's still not instantiated. It's very, it's very out there, very ungrounded, very unrooted. God is love, is one John, right? Why is God love? And here's where we get that from, 1 John 4, 10 through 16. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Let me end by reading this stanza from that old ancient, well, that old, not ancient, but old Welsh hymn. Here is love vast as the ocean, Loving kindness as the flood. 
when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who his love cannot remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. So, Father, we acknowledge that we need to love you with our allness, with our heart, our soul, and our strength. And we acknowledge that we need to love one another as you have loved us. We also acknowledge that we don't have the ability to do that. But we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for giving us the Holy Spirit, the ability to love even when we don't have the capacity for that. So fill us with that love, divine, all loves, excelling. We ask this all in Christ's strong name. Amen.